The AI Today podcast, produced by Cognolytica, cuts through the hype and noise to identify what is really happening now in the world of artificial intelligence. Learn about emerging AI trends, technologies, and use cases from Cognolytica analysts and guest experts. Hello, and welcome to the AI Today podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Mulch. And I'm your host, Ronald Schmelzer. Our guest today is Hanno Bassi, who is the Chief Technology Officer of 20th Century Fox Film Corporation. Hi, Hanno. Thank you so much for joining us today. It is great for you guys to have me. Thank you for letting me be here. Yeah, welcome, Hanno, and thanks for joining us today. So we'd like to start by having you introduce yourself to our listeners and tell them a mm-hmm. little bit about your background and your current role at 20th Century Fox. Sure. So as I said, I'm the Chief Technology Officer at 20th Century Fox. I oversee the technology strategy for the studio. Basically, what that means is, you know, how the world of technology around us changes, trends we see in technology and how the very globally and very fundamentally and how that basically shapes consumer behavior, especially in the entertainment space. That's it in very broad strokes. And so we look at things like artificial intelligence and machine learning or things that are imaging on TVs or in movie theaters, things like high dynamic range, for example, 4K resolution, immersive audio, but also things that are a little bit maybe at the first glance a little bit more esoteric, like autonomous vehicles. What does that mean for entertainment in the future? 5G mobile technology, how is that going to drive the distribution of entertainment in the future? So it's all these kinds of things that we're looking at and then turning that into a very tangible strategy for the studio where we then execute actual projects. Examples for that, for example, are we worked with the consumer electronics industry very closely to launch the next generation Blu-ray format, which included 4K resolution and high dynamic range video, as well as some audio. Great. Well, that's, that's definitely a wide range of technology. And I know that it's very mm-hmm. smart to focus on it because as your audience, the consumers, the viewers, as their technologies increase and get better, obviously you want to make sure that the entertainment experiences sort of match that, which is my understanding of why you're focusing on this very broad range of Absolutely. technology. Yes. So obviously a lot of our listeners are really interested in artificial intelligence. And from what we've yeah. heard, 20th Century Fox is using AI in a variety of ways, such as creating film trailers, captioning, and other uses. So can you tell us about some of the AI projects that you're you're working on that you've already done that you could share with our audience? Yeah. So, well, first of all, we should kind of talk a little bit what artificial intelligence actually is or what kind of subset of artificial intelligence we're talking about. I think we're really using a lot more is actually, at least currently, is machine learning, where basically we teach a machine how to learn certain things about a certain aspect of content, let's say. And then the machine hopefully comes up with a more efficient way to solve a problem than human beings would. So that's kind of where most of our applications for artificial intelligence are today. The reason why I'm saying it that way is because if you think about, you know, more advanced artificial intelligence where you really have some sort of a machine or some other algorithm who can actually actively take in the surroundings and learn about the world and basically adapt its behavior, that regard is almost like independent artificial consciousness. That That's not something we're talking about right now, but there are maybe great examples or use cases for that in the future if you especially think about things like interactive content, 
you know, you have a non-player character that basically the game just plays something for you. But you have that character not all pre-programmed on like on Rails, but the thing can actually think for itself a little bit, make it a more interesting game because it's less predictable. But that's not what we're talking about today. Those are things that we've kind of are looking at a little bit, but that still needs a lot of work. I think there's also applications in things like crowd simulation, for example, which we obviously do quite a bit. Thought would be you have a shot of a or something happens in a stadium, for example, you have a crowd in the background. Okay, how do you? You're not going to bring in you know a hundred thousand extras to shoot that. You're going to create them artificially. How do you make that look lifelike? And how do you make sure all these individual people they all behave independently? You know because they're all their own character, but at the same time they also do similar things. What have you? So we're looking into all kinds of stuff like that as well. But that's far out still. That's not really very close. So again, with crowd simulation exists today, but it's more algorithmic than intelligent at this point. But, you know, I think at some point it will be. So coming back to what we're doing today, we have a number of projects going on, creating film trailers. That's one where we are working with several different companies and looking at different ideas. And there's also different approaches there. One would be you take a movie that's ready and you say, hey, what would a trailer look like if I tailor it for this particular audience? or for a different particular audience. And can you have a machine help you with picking out the right scenes, the right shots, the right sound effects? the right cut cadence and so on for that particular audience. So it's obviously trailers are marketing tools. And I think the big thing about our business and everybody's business actually is how do you target your marketing better and better? And so it's two things actually there. One is how do you shape your marketing message in the first place? But the other one also is how do you segment your target audience actually into cohorts that are similar and they will react to a similar marketing message in a similar way? So we obviously use data analytics and machine learning and data analytics for that as well to figure out who our audience is for a particular movie or if we have a particular movie, what kind of audience will this movie resonate with? So that's an example of where the industry as a whole is using more and more machine learning to process these vast amounts of consumer data. So that would be one. We also have a very specific project going on right now in space of captioning. So we obviously are a global business. So we take our English language soundtrack and closed captioning data and obviously translate that into a number of different languages around the world that costs money and takes time. And so we're trying to figure out to what extent this can be automated. We're using machine learning and, you know, algorithmic language translation to get there from here. And so the idea with that particular project is it works best for TV shows. Each TV show typically has a very unique voice, a very unique tone. You know, you, you look at a show like Bones that has a lot of medical terms and lingo in it, and also obviously law enforcement. You look at a show as American Horror Story, that's a little bit different. So that's more cultural. Sometimes it's, you know, the period that the series takes place in and so on and so forth. So what we can do or what we're working on doing is, okay, let's take the first, let's say, four or five seasons of this show and have the machine basically learn the lingo of that show. So you look at, here's the English language data, and now here's how this was translated into Spanish, here's how it was translated into German, here's how it was translated into Italian, and so on and so forth. 
And hopefully a machine can learn over time how to do that. And then maybe with the sixth season, the seventh season, we can actually use a machine to do that. And the more this machine learns about this particular show in this particular language, you know, the more efficient this becomes. And, and then the question also becomes, okay, can we then abstract that a little bit and say, okay, here's a movie from the 50s and it's a, or a movie that takes place in the 50s and it's a crime story of some sort. Okay, maybe you can actually now, you know, use that language data for more multiple instantiations instead of just a single TV show. But it's actually really exciting for us to work on this stuff for TV shows because there's a lot of content there and there's this explosion of content anyway with TV. Timelines are very fast. Margins are very slim, especially on the production side. So the more we can make this efficient in terms of time and cost, the better. Because at the end of the day, what we're really looking for is more territories that we can distribute the show in. Sometimes the cost of creating the captions or the cost of creating a localized soundtrack, sometimes that's enough to, for us to say, hey, we can't do it for this particular show or for this particular movie. It's, it's just not worth it in terms of the revenue potential in that particular territory. There's one more example I would give you, which is visual effects, you know, which is, I don't know if people really appreciate how visual effects work nowadays. So, for example, last year we did uh, War of the Planet of the Apes. And, you know, I think in terms of the photorealism of the ape characters, for example, I think it's unparalleled with what anybody has done ever. And so how do you get there? How do you get to a realistically looking animal or an ape like this? Is really you have to go into the biology, you have to go into the physics, you have to look at, okay, how do muscles move? How do hairs refract light and so on and so forth? And basically we're trying to simulate the biology of a hair, for example, or we're trying to simulate the biology of muscle movement, of skin deformations and that sort of thing. And so in the past, that would be, you know, a bunch of artists basically watching a bunch of footage and then saying, oh, this is how an ape moves, this is how a tiger moves. This is how a horse moves. But what we are looking at now is, okay, can you learn this? Can a machine learn this? To so just give you know a machine a lot of data or imaging, moving images of, of chimpanzees, for example, to create Caesar, which was the lead ape in War of the Planet of the Apes. And basically, can a machine learn this better, faster than a human being would? So that's another thing that we're looking at. So you use a number of, of reference images, reference clips, feed that into a machine learning algorithm, and can this now replicate how a chimpanzee moves and behaves? Facial animation is the same thing. In the past, we'd have actors create all these reference images and then artists basically would try to replicate this. And with algorithmic support and what have you, but it's all programmed by human beings and drawn and created by human beings. And the future would be, okay, just have a machine look at all these different facial impressions and come up with how to animate that automatically. So, and again, it's cost, but it's also accuracy in this case that we're looking for. Yeah, right. these are really great use cases. I want to mm-hmm. follow up with the trailers, though, because as you said, it's yeah. really important, you know, to make sure that you get it right. And you only have about a minute or two to hook the potential viewers in. So I know yeah. that 20th Century Fox recently developed an AI program that analyzes movie trailers and it can gauge, you know, the likely makeup of the audience and make sure that you're marketing the movie correctly to these relevant audiences. So can you mm-hmm. talk to us a little bit more about this and then how this project is helping Fox move forward? So there's actually a number of different things going on with movie trailers and I'm not involved in 
all of them, only some of them, but I'll give you a general overview of what we're kind of looking for here because it's multiple things. It's, for example, companies that we've worked with, they would basically play movie trailers to an audience, a human audience, and basically record their reactions and then basically try to figure out how can you turn that into some form of an algorithm that then says, okay, this type of trailer creates these emotions. So for example, you know, this trailer is really funny or this trailer is really visceral or this trailer is really emotional. And there's a number of different parameters that we can look at to figure out, okay, what does this trailer actually really do? Because up until now, and there's obviously a lot of institutional knowledge here, this is all done on subjective kind of parameters. We have a number of seasoned marketing executives here. They watch the trailer and they have a feeling for what it is and what it does. But I think we're just looking for, okay, can we be more accurate? And really, so what we're trying to get to is, can we get more accurate with our marketing message, but also can we get more accurate with our demographics? That's really fundamentally what this is about. And so demographics, for example, we look at the past, we look at, okay, this type of movie worked with this type of audience, this type of movie worked with that type of audience. But again, because our genres and our categories for movies are a little bit coarse still, that doesn't always work. And we're trying to figure out, it's not just an action adventure movie, you know, works with a particular audience, but what other aspects are there that really drive people to this particular story over another one that's actually very similar. And we're trying to figure that out using machine learning and artificial intelligence. And because the fundamental thing with machine learning and artificial intelligence is, can we get to a point where we do things that humans cannot do? Can we, like, especially with machine learning and demographics and that sort of thing, can we come up with insights that, you know, almost seasoned marketing managers or executives here cannot come up with on their own, even though they have decades of experience in this space? That's kind of what we're looking for is how do we become more accurate, more granular, and also even more fact-based than we already are. Like my favorite example with Insight is AlphaGo, you know, that project that Google ran for a while and is still running and still refining. That's a great example for how machine learning works correctly. Because number one, they didn't actually teach the machine how to learn Go. They taught the machine how to learn how to play Go. Right. And then right. and what that really did at the end of the day is the machine learned how to play Go on its own without a whole lot of human intervention. I think the human intervention basically was, okay, here's how you learn how to do this. I think it was basically fed some rules, but it wasn't fed any strategies. And then the thing just played and played over and 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 then also started playing against human players and so and so forth. The result of it all was that when it then came time to really play against the world's best players, and obviously it's now the best Go player in the world, no human can beat it anymore, is when some of these games came around, you know, people would watch that unfold, they would watch the particular game, and the machine would make a certain move, and everybody would go, why did it do that? That doesn't make any sense. Nobody would make a move like that. That must be an error in the programming or something. And then two hours later, the game is over, and it turns out that that was actually the winning move of the game or one of the key moves that actually tipped the scales toward, the, you know, in favor of the machine. And so that's the type of stuff. It's something that humans would have never come up with, and the machine did. And so now human players are playing against Go to become better players themselves. So they're using it as a learning tool now. And so bringing this back to marketing, that's basically 
basically what we're looking for as well. Okay, give us insights that we, in our normal course of our work, would not derive ourselves. And it's a little bit of a problem still because how do you actually validate those insights that may not be intuitive, right? In the Go case, the machine validated itself because it won the game. How do we do that here? How do we quantify that? That's a little bit of a challenge right now. But we're clearly getting there. But another thing I could also mention is really how do we actually understand the material that we have? So one thing I think that machine learning could help with on a more granular level is categorize or classify the movies that we have once a movie is finished. Really, okay, now what kind of movie is this actually? Because our marketing isn't always aligned with what the audience actually thinks when they see the movie. So we think it's for this particular audience. And in reality, no, it actually resonates with something else. I've used that example before with The Greatest Showman, where we marketed that one way, more as a Christmas holiday musical story, you know, rags to riches kind of story. And it's not that. It turned actually out for the audience. It wasn't really about the rags to riches musical story. It was about empowerment. It was about this is me. You know, I am who I am. I can't change what I am. But that doesn't mean I'm not lovable. That's what the actual message that the audience actually took from it. And so that would have been good to know, you know, ahead of time because it would have really helped our marketing. I mean, the movie still made really good business, but I think it was just a little different than we thought it would roll out. So, so you know, digging into that a little bit more, how many mm-hmm. film trailers have you used your AI program on and how has it helped maybe make the movie more successful by targeting to the right people? That's a question I can't answer because if- that's how our marketing department does that and it's part of a bigger picture. So I actually don't. I can tell. It's something I would say, so I can't really quantify it. It's something that we're playing with, like all the other studios do as well. I would not say that it's become a mainstay of our daily operation yet, but clearly we're making experiments here. The part of the problem, by the way, with all of this is that you're trying to predict the future based on what happened in the past. And especially in our business, that is very, very difficult, you know, because Society evolves every day, especially nowadays. Every day something happens that has an impact on how we view the world. And that also then changes the context in which a movie is seen. So a movie that may have worked, you know, five or 10 years ago may not work anymore. Movies that we made in the past, you know, some comedies, for example, they may have been a little bit more misogynistic or bigoted than and at that time that was more acceptable than it is now. So that worked at the time, but it doesn't work anymore, right? Because our ethics change, our view of the world change. And so that's always a huge issue with making and marketing movies, is that when something that happened or worked before may not work the same way in the future. We see that with sequels, right? Why are we all making a lot of sequels? Because it's a known thing. It worked once, should work again. But over time, it doesn't work anymore because it's run its course. And it's not necessarily because the new story that we came up with is bad. It's just that the relevancy of the entire story is just, you know, not there anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because there won't necessarily be a hangover for, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> well, it, there might be one and it's all for women, you know, and not about guys anymore. <laughs> you mm. never know. Yeah, those days are getting old. But actually, and I knew we were asking a little about how prevalent some of these things are, because we talked about there's a mm-hmm. pretty wide range of things, everything from we were just talking about with trailers, but also the visual mm-hmm. effects and the captioning. How widespread is the use of AI for things like captioning, you know, which seems like a much more straightforward you know, application of it. And some things you're talking about are definitely within the range of what should be pretty doable, even if there's still a human in the loop. 
you know, editing and managing the transcripts, mm-hmm. you could still save tons of time, just, you know, even doing 80 to 90 percent of it, if not 100 percent. So, you know, digging into that a little bit more, how many mm-hmm. film trailers have you used your AI program on and how has it helped maybe make the movie more successful by targeting to the right people? We're working with leading companies here, but I think, you know, all the big names that you can think of here in terms of language translations. So we've basically approached all of them that I think overall this technology isn't quite where we need it to be. So, for example, if you use a Translate app on your phone and you're in China and you, you know, you're asking for the way to the airport or you're hailing a taxi or whatever, if that's not 100% accurate, it's fine, right? People still kind of understand what you want. Uh, if you don't understand it right away, you rephrase the question and get an answer again. Or if you use a Translate program on your computer and you translate a web page or whatever, that translation isn't 100% accurate. But you get the gist of it and you're fine. I mean, even on social media, you know, you can use the translation function there. And depending on the language, it actually works reasonably well. And you kind of get what they're talking about. But for our content, for our needs for accuracy, it's Mm -hmm. not there. And again, we've looked at all the major ones and none of them are really close to where we say, okay, this is actually working really well. So we're experimenting with it. We're not at the point where we can say, okay, we can actually use this. Because if if a human being still needs to go through and read it all and retype it all or well, read it all and make a number of changes, then, you know, the benefit of doing it that way is actually not all that large because we still spend a lot of time and effort. And then especially if it's like a tricky word, for example, that you have to go look up, you still have to do that. The machine most likely doesn't do that. Okay. If it's something tricky, you know, it's still early stages. And it's also, you know, it's the typical, like you see with all these different new technologies, you know, I think we're, I don't know if we've reached the trough of disillusionment yet, but we're clearly, we're in the, at the downslope of the excitement phase, okay. I think, with machine learning. Because it turns out it's actually a lot of work. It's not oh, yeah. magic. It's still, people need to know what they're doing and it's a lot of work to get it right. And I think the other thing also is that, again, I think this is a global issue, is that there's not enough specialists actually in this field today. And clearly something that needs to be taught more, more people need to learn it. And frankly, we also just need more experience with this technology as well. Well, great. Well, that's what's keeping this uh, us going. And that's why we even have this podcast to talk to folks like you to say, okay, well, you know, for those who think that AI is magical or mysterious, you know, here's people like yourself putting AI into production, you know, even if we're just doing little yeah. bits and pieces of it, actually, especially if we're doing little bits and pieces of it, machine learning and very specific applications of machine learning, people are going to understand like, oh, it's a lot more involved and complicated than people might think. Yeah. And it also makes it more interesting for us here, for the engineers here to really, you know, we roll up our sleeves and try to figure this out. And so it's, it's a lot of fun actually to work on. Yeah, good. You know, on that note, I think people are interested probably in general, you know, and how have you seen the film and media industry you know, transforming with the use of AI and machine learning technologies just as a whole, you know, these past few years and perhaps some examples of how these usages are impacting 20th Century Fox, not just in the applications you talked about, but just sort of like the general adoption of AI and machine learning across the whole industry. Yeah, so I think really what it's done first and foremost right now is set certain expectations. So I don't know that we clearly have, you know, use cases where we're like, okay, we're using machine learning on a daily basis and we're getting consistent results. So we are using it on a daily basis, but it's still more in a experimental kind of stage. But I think at the same time, though, we see glimpses of success. We see glimpses of, okay, here's where this thing is going to be really usable. It's all the use cases I described before, you know, animation for 
visual effects, whether that's you know the language translation, whether that's tailoring marketing messages, whether that's consumer research. We are working and applying machine learning technology in all these areas, and we clearly are on a path where we know this is going to have a huge impact. And it's actually going to have a huge impact in the world in general, right? New jobs will be created because of it, and some other jobs will disappear because of it. People's daily lives will change. You know, how we go about retail, healthcare, travel, what have you, I think with AI and machine learning, these things are already changing and they will change more. You know, where you have more computerized helpers, guides, you know, stuff like that, that's just happening. And what we haven't also really probed yet in a big way is how is this actually going to impact the stories that we tell? Uh You know, will robots or incarnations of artificial intelligence, will they become characters in storylines and in movies down the road? I mean, there are some examples of that already, but I think that's all very early stages. So, you know, it's it's really about, okay, what is our daily life going to look like 10 years from now? Where where I think at that point in time, we will see a lot of applications for machine learning and AI in all kinds of areas. So, you know, what's that mean for storytelling, both from a pure story narrative standpoint, but also what's it mean, obviously, for storytelling in terms of generating the content and distributing and marketing the content? It's going to be pervasive, I'm sure of that. And I think we haven't even scratched the surface in terms of all the different applications that will be possible and will make sense. Yeah, Yeah, it's definitely, you know, I mean, I think it's hard to even predict when it'll be like a decade from now, like you said, and how the way that we watch movies and the way that they're produced and how they, you know, we interact with them as consumers is going to change. And it's exciting to see where things are going. So as a final note, I always like to ask this to everybody that we interview. Mm -hmm. What do you believe the future of AI is in general and its application to corporations and beyond? Well, I think it obviously is very speculative and it's also, you know, what kind of a time horizon you look at. And, you know, it also depends a little bit on where humankind here, where we go in general. But I think at some point, and again, I can put a timeline against it, but at some point we will see artificial consciousness that's going to be indistinguishable from human and convinced that that's going to happen. The question just is, you know, how is this going to happen? Are the machines going to take over or, you know, are we still going to be masters of our planet here and just figure out how to use that to the advantage of humans? That's an open question. Again, depends on how far you want to look. But the fact that that's going to happen is clear to me because, you know, again, this technology is evolving with leaps and bounds. And I think the more we actually figure out about machine learning, which is, remember what I said is the trick about machine learning is is not teaching the machine to do something. It's, It's really teaching the machine how to learn. The better the machine can teach itself how to learn, the more quickly this is going to you know, evolve. And I'm actually wondering if there's not a tipping point at some point where the machine really doesn't need human intervention or programming anymore to help it learn anything. That's, I think, really the tricky question how we're going to get there at some point. And personally, I'm an engineer. I've been one all my life. I, I believe that, that we'll get there from here. Okay, well, that's, that's definitely the edge of research. We spend a lot of time talking to <laughs> folks who are touching at the edge of research. We talk about machine learning yeah. and right now. AI and machine mm-hmm. learning are very much wrapped in with each other. People talk about AI, but they're really doing machine learning most of the time. But, you know, as you mentioned, we're starting to solve the problems of machine learning. And what's the next layer of this onion? You know, we start to peel AI. It's actually really not a thing, but it's actually a collection of things. 
And we like to say, mm-hmm. well, it's reasoning. That's the next thing. People haven't quite figured out machine reasoning yet. So I think this is sort of the decade of machine learning. Perhaps the next decade will be of machine reasoning. We'll, we'll have to see how mm-hmm. close we can get to that. So this has been a great conversation. You've been very engaged and you were on a roll. We didn't want to stop you as you were going. So we really appreciated you participating. So you know, really, thank you so much for joining us on this podcast. We really appreciate you participating and joining us. Sure, yeah. Again, thanks for having me. Uh, it was a pleasure. Yeah, Hanno, thanks so much for joining us. And listeners, as always, we'll post any articles and concepts discussed in the show notes. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you at the next podcast. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. And that's a wrap for today. To download this episode, find additional episodes and transcripts, subscribe to our newsletter and more, please visit our website at Cognolitica.com. Join the discussion in between podcasts on the AI Today Facebook group and make sure to join the Cognolytica Facebook page for updates on this and future podcasts. Also subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Google Play, and elsewhere to get notified of future episodes. Want to support this podcast and get your message out to our listeners? Then become a sponsor. We offer significant benefits for AI Today sponsors, including promotion in the podcast and landing page, and opportunities to be a guest on the AI Today show. For more information on sponsorship, visit the Cognolytica website and click on the podcast link. This sound recording and its contents is copyright 2018 by Cognolytica. All rights reserved. Music by Matsu Gravas. As always, thanks for listening to AI Today, and we'll catch you at the next podcast.